When you're hiring, it feels amazing to finally close out a job search. But what if you could get rid of the search and just match? You can with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Go, you Redbirds. Go, you Redbirds. On the battle, fight for ISU. Welcome to In the Nest, the Illinois State Athletics podcast. Now, here's the voice of the Redbirds, John Fitzgerald. Hi again and welcome in to another edition of In the Nest, the official podcast of Illinois State Redbird Athletics from Learfield. I'm John Fitzgerald and today we're joined by Redbird Offensive Coordinator Tony Peterson. Tony's conversation today brought to you in part by Jason's Deli. Redbird fans, all good things start with wholesome ingredients. Visit Jason's Deli in Normal on Veterans Parkway today and receive free ice cream with every purchase. Coach Peterson, thanks so much for joining us today. We are probably about roughly 85 days out or so before the opener of the 20. 23 campaign and this is going to be year number two in the offensive coordinator role for you as you kind of take a look back at the last 12 13 14 months in the job this has been a bit of a whirlwind both on and off the field I'd say in that first year yeah you know it's 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 been a lot of fun we really enjoy it here my wife and I in the Bloomington area uh last season didn't go totally the way we wanted it to uh but we had a really good time um, you know, on our side of the ball, we ended up with a bunch of injuries throughout the year. Started in the first game of the year at Wisconsin when we lost our tailback, Cole, who's one of our best players, lost him for the year. And, you know, you just can't do anything about injuries. It happens. But I think at one point we had eight starters down on our side of the ball. And that just, you know, that at this level of ball, when you any level, but at, when you start dropping down a little bit in levels, it's the, it's the depth that really gets you. So when you start losing players that are good players for you, 
you know, you can get in trouble there. And even with that being said, we ended up – we had two games that we could have, should have, could have won at the end. Probably would have made a difference. Probably would have made the playoffs and, and might look back and be like, that was a pretty dang good year, especially for the injuries. But, uh, you know, we got our quarterback back. We got a lot of guys back on offense. We feel good. We're healthy right now. Uh, we're excited. You know, the summer just started for these guys. They're back on, on campus for what you call the summer period and working out. Um, so we're, we're excited. We're ready to go for the next year. You obviously can't really avoid injuries when, unfortunately, they occur. And it was still a season where you guys were, until the really final week or two of the season, you're knocking on the door of the playoffs, finished at 6-5 and five amid all the injuries that you guys suffered. But as you come in last year, you have one of the top tailbacks in the Missouri Valley Football Conference, if not – in FCS and Cole Mueller, who had a phenomenal freshman year the year before. You have a new quarterback coming in. Both those guys get hurt. How do you, from a coaching standpoint, kind of deal with that on the fly and keep everybody's mood up as you're going because there's still a task at hand of the game the following week? Well, you know what? You, you hope as a recruiting, as a school, you've recruited kids that, that, that are self-motivated. You know, I think SPAC does a, a really good job and, and our staff of recruiting good kids. We really have good kids here that all want to be successful, that all want to work hard. Um, you know, sometimes people get hurt and there's some people in there to get excited because they're the next guy up. So, you know, not everybody's sad. Um, but you know, we, we, we had some injuries right there. You just got to adjust a little bit. You still have to be able to run your system because you can't just change your system unless you lose some people and you just can't do it. And you got to adjust to, okay, now Zach's gone and now Tommy's in. He's a little bit different quarterback. We're, we're going to adjust there. We're not going to put him in some situations where, where it's unfair to him. And we're also going to adjust more to his, what he does a little bit better than Zach that's different. You know, Tommy can really run. He's athletic. We don't want to get him in, in trouble. And, and, uh, and he did a great job for us. I mean, he, he played well. I'm excited where he's at right now also. You know, he, he's starting to develop to where I could see him going in. If he had to go in this year in the same situation, I think he would be more of what a guy that we could go in there and really get after and win with, not just a guy going in that's never been in there. So excited about that. But, uh, you know, it's especially when we lost Zach there last year and we had about three games left, that just makes it tough because he's a really good player for us and he's our quarterback. You talk about, obviously, some of the negatives that occur with injuries, as we saw last fall. And I do think, as you mentioned with regard to Tommy, I think even seeing him alone in the spring game this past spring, he's developed significantly over the months since the season. And he looks like a much more physical quarterback. But going back to kind of dealing with the adversity of injuries and things, one of the positives, and I think one of the good things that occurred last year, was some guys were able to step up and show kind of their metal a little bit in those situations and Sopkowitz at the wide receiver spot I think was a guy who who really showed that he could be a guy that could be relied on a little bit yeah we had some guys last year on offense that had to develop from the start of the season through Daniel was one of them but you know even after the spring and going into the summer I, I told coach Spack I said that's our best receiver and he was number three at the time at the <laughs> x spot I said I'm just telling you he's our best receiver and and he ended up, by the time we got to the Wisconsin game, he was the starter, and he was a walk-on, you know, at the time. Right. And uh, and he's one of our best – he is our best receiver right now. But where I feel different than last year, especially at the wide receiver position, which I coached last year and now I'm back at quarterback, 
is, you know, last year we really didn't know what we had at that position, and they developed through the year. We're going to at least go into the season this year with guys that have played, and, and we feel like we know where they're at and, and really pretty deep. The one position we were really deep at last year at tight end is now we're going to be playing with some younger guys. Mm-hmm. But other than that, you know, the, the receivers have played, the running backs are deep, and they've played. The quarterbacks are deep, and they've played. So it, it, it just feels better as far as starting the season and not as much unknown right there. In your role as offensive coordinator, when we talk about the system that you like to run, whether or not that's something that's dictated sometimes by the head coach or something that you carry with you throughout what's been a really successful career in that role over the last 20, 22 years, how important and how much easier is it year two and three when you get to a place and have a little bit better feel of the personnel you're dealing with as opposed to that first year where you're trying to implement something with, for the most part, guys that you've only seen on film maybe for a couple of weeks? Yeah, I, th- I think this second year is going to be much easier. It's going to be much easier to go into it. We're running what we want to run on offense and, and what we know is going to give us the best chance to win. We're going to build everything around our quarterback, which is what you should always do. And Zach is a very capable person of doing a lot of different things, not just throwing the football. He can run also. But, uh, you know, we'll, we'll, look, we'll look different this year. We'll look more like what I think we should look like for our personnel and knowing what we have and, and a little bit more tempo. And, and we're going to put everything around, and, around our quarterback, you know, our quarterbacks and our running backs. And those are some of the best players on our team. And that's going to give us the best chance to win. At what point in your career do you start to really get a feel for what exactly you want from an offensive philosophy? How many years does it take to kind of develop that? Obviously, you've been at a number of places, but had a tremendous amount of success, especially developing quarterbacks. At what point did that really start to get a feel for this is exactly what I think the black and white recipe might be to produce results? Well, you know, two things that I learned early in my career when I was spent a lot of years at Marshall, uh, which is where I played, and then I spent eight years at Minnesota under Glenn Mason. And the two things I learned early, no matter what offense we were running, is you've got to take care of the football, and in some form or fashion, you've got to be able to run the football. And everywhere I've been, we've done a lot of different, you know, different things. You know, I, I played quarterback. I love throwing the ball, but I love running the football. And if you don't take care of the football and you can't run the football in some capacity, it's going to be hard to win games. So if those are the two things I learned the, the earliest in my career that have stuck with me is, is, is eliminate the turnovers as much as possible, take care of the football, and then also you've got to be able to find a way to run the football. And like we said, you've had a tremendous amount of success dating back to your stints at Marshall, obviously East Carolina, Appalachian State, and the University of Minnesota under Glenn Mason. When you look at your career as a whole at this point, up, up to coming to Illinois State back in January a year ago, it's a nomadic lifestyle for the football collegiate assistant coach. Obviously, a lot of times it's one, two years, move somewhere across the country, another one, two years, depending upon what happens with the head coaching standpoint. Amidst all of that, you have to try to find your own identity. Did that really start as a player as far as the kind of the coaches that you played for back in the day, whether or not it was growing up in Northern California or during your time at Marshall? Yeah, you know, I had I had some, you know, I would have never played football if it wasn't for a football coach. Uh, I was a baseball player my entire life growing up. 
we moved back to California from Pine Bluff, Arkansas, which I spent two years there, which I never would have thought we'd have lived in Arkansas, but we did. My dad was a, in the railroad, and I was mainly in California. But I loved Arkansas. It was one of the best because they loved sports more than mm. they loved it there. And But I was a baseball player. And I went, moved back to uh, Lodi, California as a freshman in high school, and I played freshman baseball, and I was a pitcher and a catcher, and the head freshman baseball coach was also the offense coordinator for the sophomore football team, and he started trying to talk me out to coming out, talk me into coming out, and it took him a while because I didn't want to play football. And I finally went out and played, and I ended up being the starting quarterback, and then I played starting quarterback my junior and senior year and went to junior college to play baseball. You know, I was, I'm going to go play baseball. And then the baseball coach started talking to me, and I ended up playing – or the football coach, and I played football there also and ended up with a scholarship, which there's more money in scholarships in football than there is in baseball. So that's just it, – it's unique how I – how my career as a player ended up playing football and the different coaches I played for. And, and I've had – you know, I've had a lot of players, a lot of opportunities. We've had a great career. You know, my wife and I were talking about it the other day. I mean, I – 16 years at two places when I first started, eight years at Marshall, eight years at Minnesota. And then we've moved about every year to two years, the last 11 years. And sometimes because we chose to move and sometimes because someone else chose for me to move. (laughs) And that's just part of it. That's part of the profession. But we've enjoyed everywhere we've went. We've owned probably 11, 12 houses and, (laughs) and uh, it's, you know, all the kids and the experiences, we wouldn't trade it for anything. You know, our kids, as hard as it is to move sometimes. They've had some great experiences. I think it's made them more resilient as, as young people, and they're all adults now. Um, two of them pay their own bills now, and we got <laughs> we got one more that's still in college for a year. But uh, we've had a great time. It's It's been unbelievable. I wouldn't trade it for anything. You undersell your baseball a little bit. It seems like you almost went into football unwillingly, but you were drafted – at San Joaquin Delta Community College as a junior college pitcher by the Kansas City Royals and still decided to go play football, huh? Yeah, it actually worked out weird. My parents didn't, they didn't set me back age-wise like I should have. So I was a 17-year-old in, in college. And so I went and played football in college and then I played baseball that spring and I just turned 18. Well, I was still able to play American Legion ball as an 18-year-old. So I, that summer, I, I was back playing American Legion ball against high school kids, and I, <laughs> I got a year of college pitching under my belt. So I, I did well that summer, and I got drafted, and they don't, I don't think they have anymore. They call it the winter draft back then. Mm. And I was not a high draft pick, but I did get drafted, um, and I could have went and done that. But I, I knew football was more of what I enjoyed doing and where I saw myself having a better opportunity. How did Marshall come into play? Long ways away from California. That's the only reason I ask. Well, they had a coaching change. Uh, Stan Parrish went to Kansas State. George Chomp took over Marshall's program. I actually took a recruiting trip to San Jose State, and then Stan Parrish actually brought me into Kansas State on a recruiting trip. And then I flew right from there to Marshall because they had zero quarterbacks uh, on the roster, and they decided they were going to sign three or four JUCO guys. And so I was one of the guys they brought in. I had a great time on my weekend. I could see myself playing there, and I just I chose to you know to go to Marshall. I mean, I didn't even go home. You can't do it anymore. It's not legal. But they brought me in on a trip, and school had already started the week before. And so if I was gonna, it was mid it was mid uh, semester. If I was gonna go to school there, I had to get in classes on Monday. So I called my mom and I said, 
I'm going to Marshall and I won't be home until, <laughs> until the summer. So that, that was interesting. Some people just know the best rate for you is a rate based on you with Allstate. Not one based on the driver who treats the highway like a racetrack and the shoulder like a passing lane. Why pay a rate based on anyone else? Get one based on you with DriveWise from Allstate. Not available in Alaska or California, subject to terms and conditions. Rates are determined by several factors, which vary by state. In some states, participation in DriveWise allows Allstate to use your driving data for purposes of rating. While in some states, your rate could increase with high-risk driving. Generally, safer drivers will save with DriveWise. Allstate Fire and Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates Northbrook, Illinois. Yeah, you don't hear that story very often anymore. Yeah. There's probably a reason they don't allow that anymore. As you move forward at Marshall, both in a really successful career under center with the Thundering Herd, and then obviously the long stops there, you were around for some of the highest points of Marshall football throughout your career. Yep, I was there for what they call some of the best times, which, you know, and they're still a very good team, but we had some great players, we had some really good coaches, uh, and we had some really good seasons. And I, and I still see, I, I w- walked in the house the other day and my wife was had it on when she was cooking something and it was they were doing the thing on, uh, on Randy. And I, I was there both years he was there and, and uh, Chad Pennington and Byron Leftwich and – a bunch of other really good. I mean, there were some really good players there on defense too. We had really good defense. It's like people think our offenses were good. Our defense was just as good, if not better. But uh, we had great years in the one double A FCS, you know, deal. Um, I think when I was coaching there, we went to five national championships and we won two. And then as soon as we moved up into the MAC, we won the MAC the next two years also. Mm-hmm. And won our bowl games and we just we had some good players they have great fans there great fan support uh really good facilities and they've even done they've improved there um but you know that's where I played I coached there twice 11 year total and had a lot of success I got a lot of rings down in a box somewhere in the basement (laughs) obviously you talked about your other long stint at Minnesota as the offensive coordinator um Incredibly talented group, incredibly talented league you're playing in, but that that thought process of three yards and a cloud of dust in Big Ten football does change the complexion of obviously what the kind of offenses that you were running at Marshall, which had outstanding quarterbacks and outstanding receiving cores too. When you're at Minnesota, you also, I'm assuming, began your relationship at least from a distance with Brock Speck during his time at Purdue. Yeah, I I mean, I didn't, Brock and I didn't know each other really well, but we knew each other because he was there the whole time I was there. Um, Really, Purdue, I don't think we, I think that was the only team in the Big Ten we didn't beat in the eight years I was there. And and we just, we had some bad losses too. Like we had one loss, I think they had 15 seconds. They had to go like 95 yards and they did. And it was awful, but they had really good teams. but we also beat some teams maybe we shouldn't have. I mean, we beat Ohio State. We beat Michigan on the road, both of them, while I was there. Penn State when they were number one in the country. So we, we had some great wins, some really good years. Went to bowl games, I think, seven out of the eight years I was there. Uh, it was a great run. Mace did a great job there. Um, and we had, we had a lot of fun. I mean, the Big Ten is – I love the Big Ten. Great conference. You've seen a number of different conferences throughout your career – in that role, what are some defining things that make the conferences better? And we talked early on about 
at a certain level, once you get into depth with injuries and things, the lack of depth is what hurts teams. When you're talking about some of the places you've been, it is the cream of the crop athletic-wise. Yeah, I mean, you know, when you especially start getting up into the, the what they call the Power Five level now, I mean, and then not only all the Power Five, but the elite teams in your mm-hmm. league. Like, so when I was in the Big Ten, it, it was it was Michigan, Ohio State, and Penn State, and it really still is. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm not saying there's no other good teams, sure. but they're getting the best players in that league. And you go to the SEC, and Alabama and Georgia and LSU are getting the best players in that league. And now there's a whole different reason they're getting them. You know, <laughs> you know, you got, you can pay them um, legally. Um, but you know, it's it's just like anywhere else. I mean, this is the best league, the Missouri Valley in FCS football. It's without a doubt. I mean, we had two teams play for the national championship this year, and right now in recruiting wise. North Dakota State, South Dakota State get the best players. They, they just, they do. And you've got to try and find a way to still beat them. And, and you can do that. I mean, it's not, but from a recruiting process, there's, there's, a, there's a totem pole, mm-hmm. you know, and it just, it's where you fall and, and what you can get. And that doesn't always mean how good a team you're going to be or what, you know, or how good that player is going to be. Just like number one pick in the draft might be a bust. But, uh, you know, those those great conferences usually have two or three great teams in them, and they usually get the best players as far as the high school kids. Without a doubt, and I, it's interesting that you mentioned that because the Missouri Valley Football Conference obviously has been thought that way for, for decades long. And as you had an opportunity to kind of see it firsthand most recently this past fall, it's almost to the point where when you think about postseason opportunities, some of the talent and some of the parity in this league almost hurts members because you're really legitimately beating yourselves up every weekend when playing conference play. Yeah, I mean, when we talk to recruits, and, and it's you're legitimately telling them this is this is like being in the SEC of 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 uh, FCS football, and that's what it is. Mm-hmm. And all you got to do is go to North Dakota State or South Dakota State and go to their facilities or one of their games. Mm-hmm. And you can you're like okay I mean this is this is going to be a problem I mean this this is tough and then we've got another handful of teams in the league that are still really good teams but you've got two that are two of the I mean they're two of the top three teams in the country every year that are in your league right and last year we had to play them both on the road mm-hmm. which was you know not fun <laughs> you know this year we only play one of them and they got to come to our place like that's totally different mm-hmm. and that's. That's another reason I'm excited about this year is is the schedule doesn't look the same way it looked a year ago, but uh, but that also makes it fun. Like my best memories at, at Minnesota was beating Ohio State in the horseshoe, was beating Michigan at Michigan, hadn't done it in 30 years wow. to win the the little brown jug, was beating Penn State when they were number one in the country and Joe Pa was the head coach and they had Lavar Arrington and Courtney Brown and I mean so. I love being in those leagues also and playing those type of teams that you know have a little bit better talent because you can beat them. And when you do, it's, it's a blast. Obviously, we've talked about the fact that your career has spanned a couple of different levels, both FCS, FBS, over the last 22, 23 years. But there are changes that occur, not only destination-wise of where you coach, but there's also just the aspect of what the last couple of years have looked like, both from a recruiting standpoint and also from a coaching standpoint that I think gets lost in the shuffle a little bit. But the 
the rise of the transfer portal, the rise of recruiting in that midst, especially with the NIL, how has that changed and how difficult has that been for you personally because it's a totally different game plan than what was in the previous 20 years of your career? It's just, it's tough. I mean, it's, it's, it's just harder because, you know, depending on where you're at and what you have as far as resources is going to matter a lot mm-hmm. because it's hard for these kids. Now a scholarship, I mean, everybody gives out a scholarship. Right. So now it's like, what are you going to give a kid on top of a scholarship? And, and what do you have at your resources? And, you know, I almost think I enjoy recruiting at this level a little bit better. Not saying that we don't do some of that, but it's not even close to what it is mm-hmm. at that Power 5 level. And and that's ultimately deciding on where kids go. And so, I mean, I, I don't know. I don't know if it's good or bad for – I mean, it's great for the kids. I mean, shoot, I'd have loved to have gotten some, in, you know, some money. <laughs> I mean, I think it's awesome. But for recruiting, you know, it makes it, it – makes it, it makes it tough because if you're at a place that doesn't have the resources to hand out that extra stuff for a kid, you you can't really you're not really going to out recruit somebody, <laughs> right. you know, when they're going to show up with with this and it's that much more than what you're giving the kid and his family and it's just you know but that's the way it is and that's the way it's going and you got to adapt and you got to you, you got to adapt to it and you got to move forward and do the best you can with it. And also the other aspect, and this is the part that I think gets lost, you know, recruiting and coaching at this level, I think when you talk about obviously what goes into a week-by-week game plan, then all of a sudden the season's over, now you've turned the page, you're recruiting, you're getting into spring ball. It's already a pretty chock-full 12 months of the year out of a calendar standpoint. But now how much time due to the transfer portal and different things like the NIL and maybe even being in the years of players, how difficult is it to have to re-recruit players on your own roster? And I don't think people really realize in this day and age how often that has to take place at the college level. Yeah, because, you know, that's the hardest thing about about our level right now is is you'll lose players that are that go up because they're really good players and somebody else wants them. And they, they're not supposed to do it. They call it tampering. But it's not hard to get some information to a kid and let him know that there's $10,000 a year here if you come take our scholarship. So it happens. And that's just the way it goes. I don't think it's, it's necessarily what I would call re-recruiting. I think it's how you treat your student athletes mm-hmm. on a day-to-day basis. And you treat them the best you can. You do the best job you can for them. You, you do everything you can to help them be the best player, the best person they can be. And at the end of the day, if, if, if that's not good enough and they get a little extra money and they want to go somewhere, then you move on and you go to the next guy. But where you can get in trouble is if you're not doing a solid job, if they don't respect you, if, if, you, if they're not all in with you, it makes it a lot easier for kids to leave. And you got to make it to where it's a hard decision. you got to make it to where they walk in and they're like, Coach, I don't really want to leave, but, you know, Minnesota is going to give me $50,000 a year on top of a scholarship. And I'm like, hey, shake your hand, see you later, and all that. You know, right, it, ha- it happens. But you don't want kids leaving because they don't believe in you, they don't respect you, they don't, you know. So you do the best you can, but I, it's the only way. I know how to do it. It's how I've done it my whole career. I think you, you treat people the way you want to be treated, and, and it, it all works out. As we kind of fast forward, take a look at the transfer portal and the recruiting aspect going into this into this 2023 campaign, pretty solid takeaways for you and the rest of the football staff with regard to guys that you've been able to bring in. 
Yeah, you know, talking about, you know, our side of the ball, we feel good about what, what you know, we've added a piece at, at wide receiver. We added Aishan there. He's going to really help us. Um, we've got some linemen coming in. We got three or three or four guys that that we feel like are going to fight for a spot. You can't, you don't have a promise to get a spot, mm-hmm. but they're going to fight and have an opportunity to win spots right there. Um, you know, Mason at uh, at uh, quarterback gives us some depth. Mason uh, at uh, running back is is I, I mean a really good get for us to add to that. You know, you always think at running back, God, we we got, we're we're deep right there. You can't ever be deep enough at running back. By week eight, you might not be saying that's that. That's right. So we, we feel really good there. So from the, speaking from an offensive standpoint, we, we've done a pretty good job of bringing some kids in. And then really, I can't – we did not lose anybody in the portal that we wanted that, – that we felt like we had to have and had to stay. Mm-hmm. Like a kid moved up and we're like, crap, we just lost – our freaking starting left tackle or right. something like that. So, you know, some kids left and went on, and they might have went to another SCF place or Division Two or whatever, and, and that's what they wanted to do. But we didn't lose anybody that we needed starting for us. You talk about the schedule coming up, and I think where you guys have gotten better personnel-wise, that was evident during the spring game as well for some of those new guys. But this is, this is the schedule that's – Really, home, at least state of Illinois, heavy early on in the non-conference portion. The only road games are at Western Illinois, last time you'll play them in conference, and at Eastern Illinois. But it's a schedule that really looks like you guys can make a run with your veteran group this year. Yeah, I mean, j- just look at last year's schedule first, okay? At Wisconsin, at North Dakota State, at South Dakota State, at UNI. Okay. This year we don't have to play a power five, which at our level, if you can have one of those years every once in a while, that's awesome because I, I get it. They're to make some money, but they're rough on you. you that's how you lose kids. Yeah. So we don't have one of those. We don't play North Dakota State, South Dakota State's at home, and UNI's at home. I think UNI's at home. UNI is at home. Yes. yes. So you talk about just those four games right there right. in an 11 game season, that's a total flip of the script. I mean, that, that really. It goes from what last year was really hard schedule to this year is totally different. And it doesn't mean you're going to have the success, but it, I've been doing it long enough. You know, scheduling can be everything and, and how it plays out. And it lends for a ton of excitement. The one thing that we saw in the conference schedule that came out that at least surprised me as an outsider initially when, it, when the future schedules came out last fall was the fact that SIU was kind of removed. Obviously makes somewhat of a rivalry with Illinois State for the next couple of years. They're off the Valley schedule. Who was removed? Southern Illinois. Oh, yeah. But will that come back now to your knowledge with Western Illinois leaving after this year? You know, I'd be honest with you, I have no idea. I mean, I don't pay any attention to that, <laughs> but I would like to play Southern. So mm-hmm. I, I, I hate that we're not playing them. And even we'd have been playing them at their place, I don't care. Mm-hmm. I feel like we should have won that game. And there were some issues at the end <laughs> that I can't talk about. But I, I really wanted to play them. I mean, that, I think that's a great game. Mm-hmm. I mean, like – like if if to me that should be one of those games that can never not be right. played. You mm-hmm. know, like when you were in the Big Ten, you always had your two games that you played no matter what. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we're not, so hopefully it'll you know they'll come back. Well, Coach, thanks so much for your time today. I truly appreciate it. Best Absolutely. of luck this year. Appreciate you having me. Redbird Offensive Coordinator Tony Peterson. He's been our guest this week. That'll do it for our show. For Tony Peterson and our entire crew, this is John Fitzgerald. We'll talk to you next time right here on In the Nest. This has been In the Nest. 
the Illinois State Athletics Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review however you listen. The preceding has been a Learfield presentation on the Xfinity Mobile Redbird Sports Network.